0: Welcome to the Write Your Book in the Flash podcast with Dan Janelle. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Welcome, everyone. I'm delighted to welcome our guest today, Sam Richter. How are you doing, Sam?
1: Yeah, I'm great, Dan. It's really an honor to be on your, your show. I know it's hugely popular, and so uh, I just, like I said, really honored to, to be included.
0: Well, thank you, Sam, and it's a great honor to have you on the show because you've spoken everywhere, large corporations, all sorts of businesses, uh, teaching them how to use the internet properly. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you do
1: and what your book is about? Sure. So I... Um speak all over the world, like you said. And now, now I think because I'm, I'm all virtual, since we're all virtual and, and, uh, bits and bytes go everywhere. I think I can technically say intergalactic or universal, but <laughs> anyhow, I, I speak all over. And, and, uh, what I talk about is a concept. It sounds kind of technical. It's called sales intelligence. It, what it really is, is it's how do you find information on other people? So in, in sales and in relationship building, you're relevant to what the other person cares about. So my my three core messages are are how to find the right person, so uh, the right lead, if you will, at the right time, what's going on in somebody else's world where they might actually be interested in taking a call from you because you have a solution that solves one of their problems with the right message. So uh, the concept, it's a little redundant, but I call it real-time relevance or hyper-relevance. So you're always relevant to what the other person cares about. And Wrote my first book uh, called Take the Cold Out of Cold Calling. It was back in, I'm going to think now, it's been a few years. Uh, must have been about 2008 that I think it came out. And because it's about the internet, uh, I had to obviously continually update. So I think there were 12 editions, and the last edition came out in 2015. And I've spent uh, all of the time since then taking all of that content and translating that to online resources, online tools. And probably you're going to be writing a book now that I've got a little bit extra time, uh, be writing a book this summer.
0: Fantastic. Let's talk about how you repurposed your book to go online. Uh, Sure. Why did you decide to do it? And can you walk us through some of the steps?
1: Well, you know, people learn in different ways. And so my book, you know, is it was 312 pages or is 312 pages. I would say the first 15 pages are theory And then after that, it's, uh, you know, kind of a a step-by-step instruction manual on how to implement what I teach with examples. And, you know, it was getting frustrating because, you know, you'd you'd write something about LinkedIn and then LinkedIn would change. Luckily, you know, I I would print about 5,000 copies at a time. And I I, I think the the book gods were looking down upon me because I would usually get to about 30 copies left when LinkedIn or I just use them as an example, somebody would make a change to their interface. But I was always worried that I'd order five thousand copies, and uh, uh, you know, I'd sell ten of them, and there'd be there'd be a major change to Google. And It'd be like, oh my goodness, now I'm stuck with four thousand ninety copies. What am I going to do with them? So, um, you know, I wanted to do, taking that into consideration with people learn differently, and online learning was just starting to become really big. Uh, you know, four or five years ago, in terms of authors having an online university, so I built an online university that. Uh, took my book and translated that into video, uh, basically. And then, uh, you know, as, as all great ideas come in the shower, I was in the shower one day thinking about what new videos I was going to craft and decided that, you know, nobody really wants a new video. What they want is a tool that just does it all for them. And so I've, I've built, um, some, I call them search engines. They're really search engine overlays, but, but, uh, engines that people purchase and, and it automates a lot of what I teach in the book. So uh, now I'm going to go back to producing more videos and then, like I said earlier, uh, doing another book because, again, people learn in different ways. So I've kind of got the, you know, you can read it and learn how to do it. You can watch it and learn how to do it. You can. I've got a tool that makes doing it yourself a lot easier. And I'm even launching a new program where we, we do all the work for you. So kind of the soup to nuts. But it all started with the book.
0: Fantastic. So let's take a step back. You were speaking a lot. You were very popular, Uh, Mm -hmm. but you didn't have a book. Why did you decide to write a book?
1: Well, that's a great question, because every time I spoke, someone said, where's your book? I'd love to buy your book. Well, I didn't have a book. So, um, you know, it's like like many authors, I'm sure you write a chapter here, a chapter there. I was working with an organization, nonprofit organization called the Edward Lowe Foundation. And at the time, they had a beautiful retreat center. So I just, you know, told them my story. They said, "Why don't you just come out and finish your book?" So I spent a week there. They stocked the fridge uh, with food, pounded out the book. Still didn't have the guts to go um, print it, you know, self-publish it on my own. So what I, I just wanted to test it. So every time I spoke, you know, I, maybe I go to I go to Kinkos and I print out 200 copies at Kinkos, right, with a nice plastic spiral bind on it, and and it, you know, it looked at, look 312 pages. It looked like a thick uh, proposal, if you will. Uh, well, a- every time I brought them with me, I'd sell out and I was like, and I'd sell them for 20 bucks and cost me about 10 bucks to print at Kinko. And I was like, well, that's pretty good margins. And then I, th- at that point, you know, I, then I felt comfortable going in and doing the self publishing route. Um, and I'll look at publishers, but for many reasons, and we can talk about I chose to go to the self publishing route.
0: Okay. Um, and what happened when you wrote your book? How did that change your business?
1: Well, I think it really, it, it took it, uh, it, it took it from a, a, Hey, here's a really good motivating and entertaining and high content speaker to really a thought leadership in this space. And it's cliche, uh, but it's true. You know, Hey, what makes you an expert in this topic? Well, I wrote the book on the topic. Oh, Oh, okay. You wrote the book on the topic. Um, you know, and the book did well, it got it did, sold very well and did, did uh fine with Amazon reviews and those kinds of things. Um, but so, so that was really really the impetus and, and, and what it did for the business is, um, you know, just take it up a notch of, of thought leadership and credibility and, and all those things. Obviously, you, you can then charge more as a speaker as well.
0: Did you find it easier to get uh, speaking engagements and consulting engagements once you had a book?
1: You know, tough to know uh, if, if the, what's the chicken and the egg. Uh, I, I cert- it certainly didn't hurt, that's for sure. Um you know I think being a good speaker begets good getting more speaking engagements because most of my uh, most of my work comes through somebody is in the audience they heard me and then they bring me into their company and they're a member of another association so it just kind of takes on a life of its own but certainly it, it helps a lot because I, as I think about it you know every time somebody introduces me he's the author of the best-selling you know is usually the first sentence out of their out of their mouth so Um, like I said, it certainly brings a level of credibility.
0: How did you use the book for marketing?
1: Well, you know, I would, uh, certainly for uh, PR and, you know, you're the expert in that Dan, uh, reporters, if reporters looking for a quote on something, they're not going to go look for, uh, an award-winning speaker. You know, who's an award-winning speaker on this topic? No, they're going to look for a best-selling author. And so it really helps with the PR side of things. Because you can send them, you know, there's something tangible. Um, and in terms of other, you know, you, when you have a book, obviously, if somebody calls and says, hey, I'm interested, you know, I'm considering you and two other speakers, you can send them a book, autographed copy of it. Uh, so it certainly uh, lends itself that way. And, and you know, it, again, it just like I said earlier, it just from a marketing perspective, it certainly adds um, a level of credibility, not to mention SEO right so you you know you can search engine optimize your book you can search you know you build a separate website i had a separate website for my book that was uh, certainly helped with search engine optimization meaning you know when someone types my name into google i want to make sure i'm controlling what's showing up on that first page and now i've got my speaker website at the time i had my book website the next one i'll have another book website so so those you know search engine optimization certainly helps cuz there's going to be a lot of uh sites or web pages created for the book by other people. So uh, from a marketing perspective, there's direct, not direct marketing. Well, I guess it is direct marketing in the sense of, um, you know, you're mailing out a book and then indirect marketing, things like search engine optimization and, uh, and credibility with reporters.
0: You raised a couple of very interesting points. I want to go into a little bit more detail. Um, sure. Should an author have a separate website for their book or should it be part of their main speaking or consulting website? What are your thoughts? Well, well I'll
1: give you my opinion. I'm certainly not a search engine optimization expert. Oh yes, you are. But I think, well <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, I think the, <laughs> the more, the more content you can have out there that people go to, because Google obviously is going to look at how popular your site is. So the more content that you have out there that people go to, that's associated with your name the better in my opinion so you know the i had a web my my speaking website is samrichter.com my book website at the time was take the cold.com so take the cold. that not, that now actually redirects to a, a page on samrichter.com but if i were to write a new book i would have a separate website fully built out website um, you know you get Duplicate content isn't as big an issue with Google as it used to be because there's some things you can do to control it. But I'd probably – I'd write a separate bio, uh, separate separate everything. It would be a completely separate from, – from a Google perspective, there would be two Sam Richters in the world, one who's a speaker, one who's a, um, a writer. And, of course, they would link back to each other. Um, you know, probably probably even – you know, if you wanted to take it to another level, you could have your own Facebook page, your own LinkedIn group page uh, or company page your own Twitter account for the book uh, that just adds a layer of complexity to it for me that I don't want but 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 if I were to hire an assistant or somebody to manage that that would also add you know more more links more um, marketing opportunities so I think you know the bottom line is I in my opinion the more individual unique websites that you can have with unique domain names all linking to each other all popular, all with um, content that is very specific to the goal of that website, that can only be a good thing.
0: Cool. What other tips do you have for SEO for consultants, speakers, coaches, and for the book?
1: Well, I, I think it's a lot of um, well the first thing, if, if SEO is really important, probably hire an expert to do it mm-hmm. because it's really hard. It's not a one-stop. you can't you can't like buy a piece of software, SEO your website and then leave it alone. It's something that has to be done on a consistent basis. Uh, so, you know, you might just want to outsource it. Uh, I don't, by the way. So just, just clear. I mean, I should. I, I just don't right now. Um, probably would if I was selling a book. Uh, but um, I think, you know, some of the basic things of, of owning your own name. So, you know, I've probably got 50 different iterations of SamRichter.com, different misspellings, all sorts of things. So owning your own name and then having unique content related to that name, uh, there are uh, there are content marketing services out there. You know, I know Dan, you are an expert in what a press release can do for you. There is, uh, uh, you know, there's a concept called paid media, for lack of a better term, advertorials. So websites or companies like Brandpoint.com. Brandpoint.com is a Minnesota-based company. and you know, if you've ever gone to like CNN or USA Today and, and they have, uh, you know, you get your main headlines and then and then every fifth headline, you might see something where it might say sponsored content. Mm-hmm. So that would be paid media where they have a journalist that writes the content for you. But as you know, Dan, when a, when a journalist writes your article, you know, you could do a two hour interview. They put one quote in there and it's the worst thing you said in the two hour <laughs> interview. With paid media. You can control the content. So those sorts of things, but it's a, it's all about getting, um, you know, your YouTube videos. Obviously, YouTube super popular. So the more the more unique sites that you can get out there with your name in it, uh, the better.
0: Great advice, thank you. Okay, so you also mentioned earlier that you wrote your book in two thousand and eight, and you don't want anyone to buy it now because it's out of date, yeah. which is cool. Uh, this is the first, I, what, what the, an, an anti-commercial endorsement? Uh, yeah, do not buy his book. But you did update it for many years, and you know when I I wrote one of the first books about marketing on the internet back in 1993, and I updated it three times. The last time was 2000 because it was the internet was changing so fast, we just couldn't keep up with it, Uh, Mm -hmm. and you you could find other things online that were uh, more up to date uh, and faster and, and all that good stuff. Why did you decide to to not continuously publish it? Because with print on demand. You really cannot, if, if LinkedIn changes something today, you could update that chapter and have it post tomorrow. Why did you make that strategic decision to just stop?
1: Sure. Uh, it's really a time decision. Um, so, you know, keeping it updated in writing just takes time. And the margins were much higher in my online tools. Mm. So, uh, you know, I self published. And, and the reason I self published, I had a number of publishers talking to me. But, uh, you know, when you have a book like mine where the internet changes, it was the timelines. Um, you know, it was the, the, the hey. We'll we'll get a manuscript in February. We'll review it. We'll you know the thing will be we'll have it printed by the holidays. And I'm like by the holidays, I'll be on my third edition, <laughs> right? I I, I I I so I couldn't do it that way, unfortunately. Print on demand. That's exactly what I would do this time, Dan. And um, you know, I would set it up if I were to rewrite it differently. I mean, I was very, very in this book. I was very specific in the sense of you know. The button you want to click on is in the upper left corner, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's what made it so hard. So uh, this next iteration of a book, I would be more general on the instructions, you know, uh, look for a button that does this. The other thing that I do now, so, I mean, people do buy the book now. I still get checks and I get, uh, and so what I've done is I've created a a guidebook, which is a 30 page, again, step-by-step instruction manual that I do keep updated on a monthly basis. And so, even though when you buy the book now, I would say eighty percent, seventy-five percent is still all legit. Maybe twenty-five percent of the things I mentioned don't work anymore. But I put right in the book, even on the last edition I wrote. You know, make sure. So if you buy the book, you can go in. You have a code to go in and download the reference guide at any time. So the reference guide is always updated. Uh, but um, with print-on-demand, I think I could. I think I could do what you suggest. Uh, and, and, you know, have, have the best of both worlds.
0: Yeah. When I work with a lot of my clients, um, they asked me, how can we use the book in marketing? And I said, well, one thing you can do is to have updated information or assessments or other Mm -hmm. bonus material on your website. So people have to go to your website and enter their name and email address. So now you can build your mailing list and, uh, and market to them that way. What other tips do you have for maximizing, the usability and the marketing and the money um, of your online sources, your online courses or materials.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, why I did those again, the same, same type of thing, you know, I, I wrote the book because as I mentioned earlier, every time I spoke, people were like, well, where's the book? And then I started, you know, and then people would, business owners would come up and say, oh, that was a great speech. Uh, could you come out and, and work with my team? And well, how big is your team? Oh, we've got two people. Well, I knew they weren't going to be able to afford me to come out. And I mean, now they can because we, we figured out how to do everything virtually. But at the time, and so I thought, well, I'll create an online university. So I think it's, you know, uh, and, and I'm not the first person to say this, Dan. I know you say it all the time. But but it's how do you how do you take a piece of content, in this example, a book, and extend that into uh, an online university, extend that into tools, assessment tools, surveys, blog posts, social media posts, uh Videos, all sorts of things, and and I, I I've done an okay job at that. I, I certainly need to do much better at uh, leveraging my content across multiple mediums. But but that's kind of the goal is is and and if you think about it, the thought process is you know Dan of writing a book of of doing an outline and putting things down in a logical fashion, uh, having in my case uh, having uh, you know here's something you can do and here's an example of the benefit you'll get by doing it. Well, all of those chapters if you will uh, become blog posts all of those blog posts become videos all those videos get loaded into an online university so it's really taking the, the, the your, your content and leveraging it and it all really started from the book um in terms of the online tools it's again same type of thing just just extending those out um and, and using those to generate revenue really Great and provide, yeah. provide value i mean you always have to that's the number one thing is is If you provide exceptional value based on what somebody else cares about, usually the, the money part, as long as you're targeting the right audience, will take care of itself. Great information.
0: Um, one final question here about um, money, since you bring it up. How do you decide what to charge for online content or courses? And obviously, some things are given away for free as a loss leader or as a uh, way to get people in the front door. But what kind of models do you use to determine how to charge for your
1: your, your core product? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I the the absolute truth answer is uh, I, I came up with it. It, it, it emanated from a, um, a very sophisticated part of my body that I happen to be sitting on right now. <laughs> um, but the the reality, you know, so so you know, you look at other people in your space. What are they charging? Uh, what is the market willing to bear? You, you talk to people, but any, all that, you know, you can focus group things to death. The reality is, is uh, people will say they'll pay X, but then when you say, well, great, will you write me a check for X? Well, I didn't say I'd write a check for X, I think, but, but other people would pay <laughs> X for that. So uh, it, it also is a value proposition and how you market it. So, you know, with, with my product, the things that I teach, all it takes is for someone to implement one lesson that I that I uh, teach uh, or, or one tool. If, if they get one lead out of it, land one piece of business. For most companies, their their ROI is easily a thousand x, ten thousand x. So, how do you put a value on that? So then, I, I think you you just kind of say, well, what's reasonable? You know, does does ninety nine dollars sound reasonable? Does hundred and ninety nine dollars sound reasonable? Does and then you kind of look at what your peers are charging. And the bottom line you test it. So when I came out or come out with the products, you know, I test different price points with different audiences and see where where, you know, where's that that line where fewer people are going to buy because it's more expensive, uh, versus if it was less expensive, more people will buy. More people means more customer support. So where is that line? that uh that it makes you know you can maximize revenue um and yet it's um you know you don't you're you also have to be careful you don't want to sell it too too cheap because then there's no value in it as well so i think it's trial and error looking at your peers and um you know just kind of passing a smell test right like like does, does it seem reasonable that someone would want to pay x for y
0: great sam why don't you tell us who your ideal client is and how they can get in touch with you
1: well, thank you. Well, my deal client is really anybody who sells, uh, anybody in uh, business, any business leader, sales manager. Uh, typically, uh, my work is going to be best for a business-to-business salesperson or um, business-to-consumer if, that, if it's a more complex product like financial services or insurance. Uh, it's easier to say who is not my target audience. My target audience is not the barista at a coffee shop. Uh, you don't need to go into Google mm-hmm. and and learn about somebody before you sell uh, a great cup of joe. Uh, but for any anybody who has competition, uh, who sells a complex product, uh, they will benefit greatly from my tools, my resources, and my work.
0: Thank you, Sam. And thanks, everyone, for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book, but don't know where to start, you can find great information at com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.